going on, my people? It is great to be with you today. I am uh, recording from our basement today, which is super fun because we just recently got a desk down here. And so I knew this was going to be a game changer as far as recording podcasts because of the fact that my lovely wife likes to go to bed considerably earlier than I do. And so it's great to have a little spot to be able to come down here. Currently today, though, it is Monday, October 10th, uh, Columbus Day. So happy Columbus Day, everyone. Um, I'll either be posting this like midday today or um, Tuesday, October 11th. But um, yeah, we we both have off today, which is great. And so she's doing some cleaning upstairs while I get to record downstairs. And so... um, I don't know that I've chosen the better part, but I definitely got the better half of that deal. That is for sure. Our kitchen is a mess right now. And so pretty crazy weekend. Hope you all had a blessed weekend. It is great to be speaking with you again today. And so today I am coming down, you know, so I just went back upstairs, which is why I don't know why I didn't grab my notebook. But, you know, often when I go to record, I try to do some type of a little um, uh, outline or something like that to have. And today I really don't have much. I'm going to be kind of going off. Um, the stories and things that I posted last week. So if you remember, if you listened to the weekly roundup last week, you remember I came across this uh, YouTube, like this two YouTube videos with uh, Matt Frad, Pints of Aquinas, and Amber, um, oh man, is it Amber, what's her last name? I can't remember, the religious hippie, right? And so I came across these videos and I was like, oh, you know, I think it's really interesting that um, I had just recently heard Matt Walsh talk about taking dating advice from single people. And so I wanted to kind of go a little bit deeper into that because I shared that on my stories. And I, I hope that people know, and if you listen to the podcast, you probably know this, or at least you'll know this now, that when I post some of these things on my stories and do these polls, like one of the greatest things, I think, to me, maybe the greatest thing about podcasting specifically is that... I get to, and then social media, is I get to think out and talk out my thoughts so often, and then I also get to, um, you know, share the polls and stuff like that on Instagram, which allows me the opportunity to um, really kind of feel out what other people are thinking about a certain topic, and that's just so helpful. I can't stress enough how helpful that is and how much I learned through the process, so I want to kind of go deeper into that. I'm going to start with the poll that I shared and share some of the results from that. And then I want to talk about how, um, you know, what we think about, what I kind of think about some of this stuff. So I hate that Instagram doesn't let me see like the raw numbers of how many people voted. But we'll just kind of share the the percentages are still here. So I'll look at those. All right. So the poll that I put up last week, was which of the above people do you think should primarily give dating advice? 16% said only married people. 24% said engaged and beyond. So right there you got 40% saying engaged and beyond, or just married people, right? But someone in those two categories. 10% said people in relationships. 49% said single, dating, engaged, anybody, right? So like anybody can. And I got some interesting feedback from people. Now, I shared a couple of those stories and some of these sentiments. Um, and I think that one thing that was really important to remember is that, um, 
like being married isn't the only the the first like big I feel like debunking factor of that and and remember like I feel like I really didn't have a super strong stance now I feel like I do from thinking about it and hearing people's thoughts on it so much but at the time I really didn't even though it might have seemed like I did because I kind of explained Matt Walsh's position because I feel like that was the thing to debate um not just this kind of like general like I feel like you need to hear at least one side of it right and either support that or disagree with it and people definitely did both um and just so you know later in this episode I know the title is going to be more focused on like I'm going to trans I'm going to talk about this for the first half and then I'm going to transition to talking about my actual just some off-the-cuff reflections from my dating experience and then the question I so often get asked Emily and I both get asked of how do you, and I think married people in general get asked or engaged people, like, how do you know when you find the right one? Because I was thinking about that yesterday, too. And so I'm going to talk about that a little bit as well. Um, but first, we're just going to kind of go into this. So the first thing that really got debunked for me in this idea of um, only married people should give advice is obviously uh, priests, religious, right? They can have some of the greatest advice on both dating, finding somebody, um, dating, engagement, and marriage, right? They have incredible insights. Some of the best stuff we have on marriage um, and uh, relationships in general come from priests of the past and saints and religious and great sisters from the past. Now, the biggest thing with that, I would say, is that I think that priests and religious, probably the value of their... Uh, advice decreases along like decreases backwards along that uh, those stages if you will right so if if it's finding somebody dating them discernment engagement and marriage right i just created those five stages in my mind um then i think they have a decreasing order probably with the exception being discernment being higher right so probably marriage then discernment then engagement then dating advice, and then their last piece of advice that they're basically useless on is finding someone. Unless they're super engaged and involved in like the young adult world, what priest or religious is going to have good advice on where you can like find somebody to date, right? Like they can have some things of like men need to ask women out again, all this stuff, but like they have utterly no idea. A priest who's been a priest for 10 years was in seminary for six to eight years before that will have, I mean, her, like, use, I mean, useless input, basically, the vast majority of the time when it comes to finding somebody, navigating dating apps, dating online, all that kind of, they've never done it. So they, I mean, that's why I think the strongest is there's, there's a strong correlation between being a religious or a priest and being married, right? Like they have this kind of union and spouse of the church or spouse being Christ. And you can learn so much from that that really applies to, Marriage between a man and a woman. And so that's why I think their their wisdom and insight on that is so powerful, right? Because the correlation, they're, they're the deepest into the, the perfect marriage, which is between Christ and the church, right? And so they, they physically represent either Christ in that or they physically represent the church in that, whether they're, you know, a priest or a nun, respectively. But they're not going to have good insight on finding people. And I think that goes to my second point, um, or no, before I get to that, th their strongest actually might be discernment, um, but that would I would think it would be a close second. But obviously, they're going to have great advice when it comes to that. Actually, discerning is this person right for me? Is this the person I should marry? 
they're going to have good insights on that because they've discerned for years, right? Like whether you were in a convent or you were um, in seminary, they've had a lot of time discerning and they've learned a lot about discernment in general. And the ultimate thing you discern is your vocation, right? And who you're going to do that vocation with. And so they are going to have incredible insights on that. Now, going back to what I was saying before about the kind of decreasing in, in insights, I think that the stages is really the most important thing to break down. Because that's where I feel like we kind of lose this. And, and I think that there's a couple other distinctions to make in there as well. Um, as far as like who should give what advice. Um, and so I think that it's important to recognize that there's plenty of married people who are going to give really... Uh, who, who aren't going to give good dating advice, right? Like that's the caveat. And it was interesting to me when people were giving feedback that they were like so interested in like really nailing that down of being like some married people are in bad relationships. And so single people are going to give better advice to them. And the way that I kind of see that, this this kind of, if you have to do it versus like literally just married people versus single people, right? Excluding religious vocations. It was amazing to me how many single people tried to own uh, priests and religious as though they're in the same camp as them, which I'm like, priests and religious are definitely closer to married people because we're both in lifelong vocations, right? Me and, and my pastor are both in lifelong committed vocations that we've discerned and like taken the leap on. That is not like we're closer to each other than we are to a single person. It doesn't mean that we're better or that we're holier or anything like that. But on the scale of vocation to not vocation, I'm talking big V vocation, Priest and religion, I mean, we're, there's like, you're on the other side of it, right? Like, you you make that commitment. We've, to, to put this uh, more bluntly, and I feel like objectively, we've received an extra sacrament. And that, I think, really <laughs> makes it kind of pretty comparable, right? A sacrament that you literally can't break other than death. So that's kind of a big deal. And so I, I think that you have to exclude them. I'm, I'm happy making them their third category, because that's where I feel like they should be. But if you're looking at it just married people versus single people, Along those five stages, right? The five stages being finding someone, dating someone, discernment, engagement, marriage. It was amazing how many people were quick, even married people, married and single people would be like, well, some people are in bad marriages and that's why they're single. And I'm like, yes, that's true. But I think by and large, my, my final stance on this is that of the five stages, married people will generally cover more of the five stages well and have deeper insight on them right, when it comes to dating, discernment, engagement, marriage, than a single person would. And that is where I feel like the caveat and the kind of distinguish, you have to kind of distinguish. And I think that it's kind of like, um, and I feel like people treated it like this without really realizing this. And you guys, if you listen to the podcast, you know I love making these analogies and connections, right, to see where we have um, similar kind of flaws in thinking. And, uh, you know, you call these fallacies. I don't know what the fallacy name is. If you if you want to learn more about logical fallacies, you should go check out uh, Filter Through a Brain Cell uh, podcast. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. My friend Kathy Gibbons does that. I've had her and her husband, Noble Gibbons, on. He's got a great podcast, EQ Gangster, if you want to get your emotional quotient game up, your EQ, your emotional intelligence. He's the best. And she's teaching the logic side of it, which is really awesome and kind of interesting. Um, but they've both been on and she did a great episode for Seeking Excellence. So I, I highly encourage you to check that out. I need to get her back on here. But the fallacy that I think exists is it's like, it's like the argument where you say uh, men are stronger than women, right? And it's like, well, that's a generalization. It's like, yes, it is. Um, 
because you can find you can find people who who debunk that right and that's exactly what i feel like came from this like marriage versus single people is to say like oh you know i you can find people who are in terrible marriages who would give you bad marriage advice and i've gotten plenty of bad marriage advice you can find people who are um uh you know married just because they felt like they had to or whatever you know what i mean like they're they're bad spouses and they're going to give you bad dating advice sure and you can find single people who aren't dating anyone who can give you wonderful dating advice absolutely but but by and large i feel like we know especially when it comes to like this this catholic um you know we're talking about like people who are into their faith I feel like you'd know that like your date, your married people are going to give you better insight to that. Even if just the fact that like your biases and, and, and not all of them, like you can still live out of a lot of ex, like past pain and hurt and all this stuff. But the sacrament is a sacrament. And I, I think that a lot of the trauma issues, heartbreaking stuff that you experienced in the past, like gets healed, not completely. And it gets healed completely over time, obviously ultimately in heaven, but like you don't have like I don't I don't have like the same skin in the game, right? Like I don't have the same biases and things like that that I had when I was just dating because it was like, oh, you're dating these different women, you get burnt by a woman and you're like, this is how women are. But then when you're when you're married, it's like I just have one and I can be a little bit more objective, I feel like, um, than I used to be able to be. And that's just me speaking as somebody who was obviously once single for many years, um, or single dating, you know what I mean? And then is now married. That that's kind of my experience of it. I'm not saying that that's everybody's. And again, you can find women who are stronger than men. You can find single people who are going to give better advice than married people. Um, now, I do think that as you go back earlier on the scale, so in the stages, you go back earlier in the stages as far as finding somebody, dating them, discernment, engagement, marriage. The earlier you go back, typically the better advice you're going to get from somebody earlier in the stage, right? So. Married people are going to give the best married and engagement advice. Newly married, especially, I think will give the best engagement advice because um, you just you're just coming out of it, right? You're just finishing that season, but you're still going to have some seasoned married people who are going to give you some great insight um, and probably better insight too. You can get more practical tips and insight from um, newly married couples, but a couple that's 20 years in, 10 years, 30 years in, is going to have better, deeper, you know, meaningful. Uh, I would say probably engagement advice. Discernment, I think. Married people are going to win that out for sure. Engaged, engaged people are going to have some stuff to say about that for sure. Um, and then I think that as you go back further, you're going to have, um, you know, as far as dating, I think dating people can give dating advice for sure. I think where you have to be careful with this and where I've seen this get tricky for people is when you're taking dating advice from your perpetually single friends. And I started to see Catholics on Instagram was kind of talking about this last week. Um, and yeah, I thought it was really interesting. He had a whole post about it. Let me see if I can pull that up real quick. Isn't it? Oh, I spelled it wrong. But then when it comes to this is, so I'm going to give the single people, this is your big shout out or Catholicism. I don't know how to say it. Catholicism. That's right. Single people get the biggest one for sure. When it comes to finding people to date. Single people or dating people are going to have the best advice for that. Married people, especially if you've been married for 10 years, again, similar to priests and religious, your advice on that is almost useless. And you've probably all gotten this useless advice before. 
<laughs> I know I have. I know you've had some married person tell you as a single person, if you're single out there, like, oh, just do this. Do, like, just ask people out. Just do. And it's like the, the, the game changes, right? So you have to kind of adapt and learn to that. And you can get advice from people who don't recognize that the game changes. And that can be really hard. And so early on, and that's where I feel like we kind of lose it. So even though I try to be more specific in like the debate on Instagram, I think that's where we kind of lost uh, the nuance and we didn't debate that properly because it was like, okay, dating advice is such a general word. And so it can, t- it, that, I feel like dating advice can go from finding somebody up through the stage of discernment, right? You wouldn't consider it engagement advice, dating advice, but that's three of the stages. And so to act like married people are the experts on all three of those is stupid. To act like perpetually single people are going to be helpful in you discerning your spouse. Also stupid, in my opinion. And it doesn't mean that something's necessarily wrong with them. It doesn't mean that somebody is, uh, it has to be their fault if they're single or whatever. But I think what we have to realize is just like people were super eager and willing to be like, well, some people are in bad marriages. The flip side to that is that some people are single because of them. Let me say that for you one more time. Some people are in bad marriages. You shouldn't take advice from them on any of the stages because they obviously screwed it all up for themselves. If they like married an idiot, I'm talking about. Some people like switch up after marriage and all this kind of stuff, but you obviously want to take the most advice from the people who are happiest and fulfilled in their stage, right? So like even a priest who's like never wearing his collar, doesn't like being a priest, I'm not going to send a discerning young man whether he's discerning marriage or the priesthood, to that guy because he's not the one, right? Like you shouldn't take advice from those people. In a similar way, people who are dejected, discouraged, frustrated, singles, who have been single for a long time, who don't date anyone, who are always telling their friends to break up with their significant other because they always find the flaw in them and nobody's freaking perfect enough. Those people exist. I'm sure you've met them. They give the worst dating advice. Hands down, because at least, at least somebody in a bad marriage can give you the what not to do. And so I kind of got into this a little bit at the end of my rant last week of there's kind of what I called active advice and avoidance advice. And I actually got a good message from a friend of mine. I never read the full thing, kind of sharing some further nuance on that. I don't know where it went or came from. I only saw it in like my notifications. Um... But, yeah, so I think there's a lot of, oh, there it is, there it is, there's my boy. Wow, he wrote me a paragraph. So, uh, active and avoidant. So, I'll share his kind of thoughts on this as well. And uh, it sounds like this is kind of, he's saying something somewhat similar to what I was saying. Um, but I, I kind of gave this delineation, so let me finish my thought. Active versus avoidance advice. Avoidance advice can come from somebody in a bad marriage saying, this is what I did wrong. I really listened to my emotions and wanted to get married and, and decided that I'd be willing to settle and overlook these serious red flags and just get married anyway. This is my red flag. I This isn't mine. I'm giving an example. I married somebody who's not a practicing Catholic with the hopes that they would someday become Catholic, and they've just become more not Catholic. And looking back, that was probably a bad idea. Um, I married somebody with anger issues. I married a, a woman who, you know, is terrible with money and, and uh, thought that she would improve and she didn't, right? Like, you want to really be on the same page with that before you get married or when you're dating somebody. Like, married, they can give avoidance advice. I don't know, other than somebody who's like on the other side of like the discouragement and perpetually singlehood, uh, perpetual singleness, 
like looking back and being like, I'm talking to like 40 and being like, this is probably where I screwed up, right? Like I had some good relationships in there. I thought that I was better than them or I thought that whatever, you know what I mean? Or I just decided and discerned that God's calling me to be single. Those are kind of your options, right? It's at the end of it, like if you're 35 and you're single, at some point it's like either God's calling me to singlehood or I'm screwing something up. Those are basically the two options. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, please reach out. But I don't know what else it could be. Either God's calling you to that and he would make that clear and give you peace and you discern that. Or you probably screwed up some relationships along the way. And that's coming from somebody that I've screwed up some relationships along the way, right? I've messed up good relationships. And on the other side of that, I've also um, ended what were pretty solid relationships and relationships where I feel like I could have married somebody that I was dating in the past and have been generally like pretty happy, right? Um, But I was holding out because I knew that there was was more. I could just feel like I needed a little bit more. And I'm going to get into that here in a little bit. But that's why I call like active versus avoidance advice, right? Active advice is saying, this is what you should be doing. If you are a boyfriend, this is what you should be doing. You should be pursuing. You should be learning how to pray together. You should be discerning, right? You should be clear about stating your intentions, right? So I, I can give that active advice because I've done it and I can share to a younger man um, what, what I think. Now, I do think that you can get, this is another thing, kind of a delineation, where I think you can get dating advice from people of the opposite sex, but you should generally go to somebody who's the same sex as you. Just like if you're discerning priesthood as a man, you shouldn't necessarily go to a religious sister. It's more helpful to go to a priest. And on the flip side of that, this isn't just against women. If you are discerning entering a convent or religious life as a, as a woman, a, a priest can be helpful. Obviously, a priest spiritual director can be helpful. But I have to imagine that the best person to go to would be having a female spiritual director who is in religious life, right? Um, and so, yeah, so think about that. Okay, and then the other side, so what my my good friend, uh, Mr. DeSanto, one of the co-founders at, at Hallow, um, also my boss at Hallow, shared uh, in a Facebook message res- responding to this, which is funny because we talked throughout the day all day and we never talked about this. Um, is this is really important. I think this is a really good point. He talks about there's general knowledge sharing versus specific advice giving. And he says like general knowledge sharing being basically um, the ability of like a a male OBGYN is an example he uses to write medical textbooks despite never having been pregnant Um, as well as SEO experts, you know, who will um, write blog articles after having built specific successful websites and things like that. And so he's, he's talking about people who you gain enough knowledge through study and, and um, ex, you know, like learning about something and then even maybe like professional experience that you're going to be really great at giving some general knowledge on kind of the structure of things, right? So you can think of somebody who, like the five love languages, Gary Chapman obviously kind of developed that through his marriage, but he also studied that through, um, uh you know, different relationships, right? And learning about different relationships. And and you can imagine a world in which a single person or obviously a, a religious person could could come up with that kind of stuff, right? And some of these general guidelines. Now, what he really gets into is, in his thoughts to me, he shares that specific advice giving requires a person to really know you. And that's something that is is often lost as well, is when you're taking advice from somebody, when they're dating, right? It's like, does this person really know who you are? 
Um, and knowing who you are, knowing your goals, knowing your tendencies, your strengths, your weaknesses is going to help them give you better specific advice for your specific situation. And that could be for finding people, dating or discernment, right? Um, as well as engagement and marriage, but especially in those three, I feel like you really need somebody that really knows you. Um, and can kind of help you with that. Right. And so I think that that's, he, he talks about like a financial advisor who always starts a, with, with asking you like, what are your life goals? What are your priorities, your values, all that kind of stuff before they give you advice. And so he talks about like single people can, can give you um, great dating advice if they tr- uh, train professionally, you know, um, but it, it's difficult to have somebody who it, cause is going to be an expert in dating, but isn't going to necessarily, um, yeah, give you that, that type of advice. And so he talks about, we should generally be more selective with who we are taking advice from. And select based on a combination of unbiased expertise and knowledge of ourselves individually. And that is what I think is the most important part of all of this. <laughs> That's kind of where I started with talking about it, is that I just think you have to be careful who you take your advice from. And we've talked about this and shared in the past. Emily and I both, you know, when discerning and dating and fighting and all this kind of stuff, we had people in our lives, both of us, whether they were friends, family, whatever, who were hesitant or worried or whatever, even like supported us breaking up with each other or whatever it might be at certain points. And it's like, okay, um, the best advice we always got was from married people, Catholic married people who were like, I'm talking Catholic, like practicing Catholic married people. Um, And so that was kind of our personal experience with that. And I think that that came from a combination of them knowing us personally, as well as, uh, just kind of who they were. And so you you probably know this during our biggest fight that we ever had. Um, this is all an Instagram to engagement if you want to get the details on that. It's our most listened to episode of all time. <laughs> I guess because we detailed our biggest fight ever. That's what people like to hear about. And this is going to be a great segue into talking about how I knew Emily was who I wanted to marry. Uh, in that one, we both went to get advice. This is kind of funny. She went to Sarah Swafford, who she was working with um, at the time. And, uh, you know, Sarah and Andy became great kind of couple mentors for us through dating, engagement, into marriage, and now married. Um, uh, but I went to Father Jonathan Meyer, who is a priest that ultimately ended up marrying us, and shared the situation with him and was like, dude, what do you think? Like, what should I do? How should I handle this? Um so it's kind of funny that we both went to either a married, she went to a married woman as a woman, and I went to a priest as a man. And uh, But both of those people in those situations knew us. They knew us as a couple. They understood some of our personal tendencies and biases and past experiences and wounds and stuff like that. Um, and thanks be to God, we went to them because now we're married. And we own a house and we have a ton of fun every day. And so I think what you have to do is I wouldn't have just gone to any priest. I know priests that I would not go to. Um, Emily knows married women that she would not go to. I know married men that I would not go to, right? But we went to two holy people who are discerning, who are patient, who are level-minded and not going to just listen to us rant about our side and just immediately like hate the other person and be like, oh, you need to break up with them. And that's ultimately, I think, one of the greatest characteristics you can find with somebody is Somebody who can take in the whole picture. When you're, especially when it's dating or marriage or engagement and you're beefing with somebody, you're asking for advice on how to handle a situation where you and your significant other are not seeing eye to eye. 
if you if the person you're talking to doesn't ask or ever say you know what does i see like what's the other person's side like what what are they saying right like if they're not like oh i can see kind of where he or she's coming from as well either you're in, you're dating a crazy person and so the person you're going to advise for is justified in not understanding or seeing anything valuable in what the other person's saying or complaining about or you are talking to the wrong person because that's what you ultimately need and that's where humility prudence and wisdom come into play because it's so easy to go to your male your guy friends or your girlfriends and just have them be like, yeah, men suck or women suck or she's being so dumb. I don't know why she would do that to you. And I've seen that. I've seen how it plays out. I've seen how it plays out in marriages. I've seen family members and friends do that. It's just not worth it. If you actually want your marriage and your relationship to work out long term, it's worth it going to somebody who's mature and is going to actually try to see the whole situation and give you good advice. This is why you have to be careful. And I, I clash sometimes with family or friends over financial things. Because it's like, this is, uh, going back to what Sandro said, Mr. DeSanto said about the financial advisor, is if somebody doesn't understand your long-term goals, your values, your priorities, then they're not going to necessarily understand the decisions that you're making with your money, right? And so, I've hit friction with this, you know, with family members and stuff in the past of not coming home enough or not, um, you know, doing enough or sending things or whatever. And I'm like, okay, I, I definitely get that. Nobody in my family on either side really has lived outside of Eastern Standard Time, let alone outside of the Northeast, right? Like I think, I don't know if I have anybody in my family that I can think of other than a cousin who went to Florida for a short period of time, for a few years. I don't know how long, I should say short period. I don't know if I have anybody that left a border state, even for college. Uh, and I didn't leave a border state for college. I went to college in Maryland, right? Grew up in PA. But I think, you know, so you have to understand, like, people don't get it, right? Like, people don't understand what it's like living 1,600 miles from home. I also have to understand that, like, I have family members who have been married four times, who have been divorced, who are divorced now, who are in marriages that they've been in for a really long time or are unhappy or have never been married or have kids with multiple different people. So they're not going to understand my Catholic values as I look to St. Jo Joseph as a role model as a husband and father, as a worker, that I understand that my primary roles in this world are as husband, number one, father, eventually, God willing, number two. And so I have to keep that in mind to say, okay, they. I have a lot of family members who give uh, past prudence, right? Who have made a lot of financial sacrifices to people who are ungrateful for it and squander the money, whether it be on drugs or um, foolishness or whatever it is, right? And you, you can debate whether or not that's the right decision. That's fine. But for me, I've prayed about, I've discerned about, I want to be financially and fiscally responsible and not put, not like to the point where I can be generous and tithe, obviously, and be charitable and give extra offerings when certain needs come up, right? Like the um, Archbishop's Appeal or for the seminarians or for the poor or whatever, you know, we buy back to school packages for poor kids and Christmas gifts for them and things like that outside of tithing. But I'm not going to be generous to others to the detriment of my family, to the detriment of my marriage, right? So there's a balance there and that there's a difference. And I think it's hard for people to understand who have not been in strong Catholic marriages to understand that 
I love and respect and want to be close to my family back home, but I am the man of my family now. I am the head of my family now. And so I can't make decisions for my extended family at the detriment um, of my my family, right? And my family being Emily um, and hopefully our kids. So it's a difficult thing, right? But you have to understand that. Like people are not going to see things the same way. And that's where I feel like people really mess up. That's what this all kind of comes down to is who do you take advice from? Right? How do you kind of figure this out? And that's something that's really hard to do because you have people who, oh, this is going to get good. So this was one of my favorite uh, freaking uh, like little philosophical findings that I ever came up with. And I've shared it before, but it's been a long time since I talked about this on the podcast. So I have like a whole new listenership. And so this is, this is one of my favorite things. You have a lot of people in your life who want what's best for you, but do not know what is best for you. Let me run that back because this is key. This is super important for you to remember and understand and accept and embrace in your mind and heart. You have a lot of people in your life who want what's best for you, but who do not know what is best for you. And so that is the point, I think, of having this kind of uh, tribe of mentors, right? And the whole purpose of having this breakdown, this philosophy of seeking excellence Because what I want you to do is I want you to have mentors and role models in different areas of life who are expertise and are strong in those areas. Your job is to be the president. Your job is to be the CEO of your life. And what does that mean? Let's use this example of COVID. What a lot of people didn't realize with COVID is that the president, it doesn't even matter who's in office, right? The, the president has this responsibility to hear from Health and Human Services, to hear from the CC, uh, uh, CDC, to listen to what Dr. Fauci's dumbass has to say. Excuse me, I'm, not, I'm trying to not be partisan uh, in this example. <laughs> I just hate him. I don't hate him. I just despise him. Is that better? I don't know. You have to listen to the scientists, right? and the health, and the doctors, and all of those. But you also have to listen to the economists. You also have to listen to the Department of Defense, and think about how shutting down the economy is going to affect defense. All these different things, right? Homeland Security. You have these heads, right? You have these secretaries of all these departments in the government, um, all, all your different department heads, to brief you on the situation. The same is true in the Army, right? If you're the battalion commander, you have... S1 who does personnel, you have S2 who does military intelligence, S3 who does um, all the kind of like execution, S4 who does the logistical stuff, S6 who's doing the communication stuff, right? And so you have to listen to all of them to get this, because when you have that full situation, that's how you can make the best decision, okay? And what a lot of people want to do, and this is the problem with the seven pillars, is they want to say in a, in a pandemic, we should only listen to the doctors, and it's like, okay, I hear you. What about the long-term health of our economy, our national security, all these other things that, that matter, right? Like, then you start to lose money on education. And this is the, ultimately the problem with progressivism is they, they just constantly want to go like all in on one direction. We have to end pol- police brutality. Let's dismantle and get rid of the police. And it's like, there are effects to that. 
right? There's things that will result from that that are actually going to be anti what you want to, to actually happen, right? The same can be true like if you're on the brink of divorce and you're, you're, you're financially maybe not struggling, but you're like, you know, not doing as well as you want to do, maybe taking on another job is like not going to lead to you not being divorced, right? Especially without consulting your spouse. And so that's where you have to kind of say, okay, you can listen to Grant Cardone or, you know, some of these, like my boy David Green from Bigger Pockets. I love him, but he's single. So he gives advice on grinding and, and crushing in real estate that are completely irrelevant to uh, those who might be married with kids. Because you can't just spend five years working overtime as a father. You just miss those five years with your children. Um, you can obviously work a lot. You can work more. You can do what you have to do. But to just make your personal real estate dreams come true, like the advice doesn't hold, right? But I can see, okay, so that's that's one way to do it. What are some other ways that you can kind of be creative? And I can still listen to him in his real estate knowledge and wisdom of picking deals, picking contractors. Like I read his book, it's great. But then I have to balance that with like, all right, who's my marriage role model and what do they do? Then I have to balance that with like, who's my fitness model? What do they do? You know, role model. Um, and, and you can kind of start to balance and say, okay, I got to pour some a little bit more into one basket and a little bit more into others. But what a lot of people don't realize is that you have a lot of people in your life who want what's best for you, don't know what's best for you, but are still willing to express what they think is best for you. And that's where you have to really start to discern because you can, you can mistake, you can pretty easily mistake love for wisdom. You can mistake uh, affection for, for wisdom or knowledge. Right. And so just because somebody loves me, they care about me. If, if you have like I, I used to, you know, do a lot of non-denom stuff. And this is one thing I think they were really strong. on. You, you judge a fruit, uh, a tree by its fruit. And you have a lot of people who have no fruit on their tree that are telling you what to do financially. They're divorced and, and, and whatever. And they're telling you what to do with your marriage or dating. I had so many people, so many of my my parents, friends who would tell me when I was, you know, 16, 17, 18 years old, 19, 20, don't date, don't, don't get married till you're 30, don't even think about settling down till you're 30. They would tell me things like, you should live with the person before you get married, so you know, and all this other stuff, right? All this worldly advice. And it was, it was just terrible, right? It was like, this is, and it was coming from a lot of people who are either divorced, in unhappy marriages, or never been married. And so I get it. Like, I get why they say those things, and I think that there were good intentions behind it. I don't think they were telling me that so that I would end up, you know, 33-year-old, uh, um, you know, childish guy that had no responsibilities, didn't care about anybody but himself. Like, I don't think that's why they say that. I don't think they, I don't think they all intentionally tell women that so that you'll wait until it's almost too late for you to have kids to actually settle down and then be miserable and alone when you're 50 years old, right? Like, I don't, I don't think a lot of these people have bad intentions, especially not the people who care about you and actually do love you. But it's still worth recognizing. I started to, It started to click for me when I was like 19 or 20, where I was like, so many people who I don't look up to are giving me advice and I'm following it. But I have to imagine that their advice, especially their active advice, is going to lead me to the same destination that they're in, right? So if somebody's driving somewhere and they get there and they're giving you the same, they're giving you directions on the phone of where you are, the only place that they really know how to get to is where they are, right? Like if you're both in a new place, which life is new for all of us, 
There's no such thing as reincarnation. They only know how to get to where they are. And so why would you listen to them? You have to seek out the people who are what you want to be. And you have to find that certain people aren't going to be that in certain areas, right? And so I have Catholic people that I look up to, Catholic speakers, leaders, husbands, fathers, that like, I don't want to be anything like physically or fitness-wise, right? And so I'm like, okay, I take I take what I can from them and I, I move on. Financial people who I'm like, okay, I can get with a lot of your strategies, a lot of what you do, a lot of your tips, but I don't want to be the husband or father that you are. So you have to you have to be willing to take some of that in and, and really start to discern, okay, just somebody wants what's best for me. How do I know that they're giving me advice that's going to get me to where I want to go? And so you have to test that. You have to know a tree by its fruit and really start to evaluate, is this person worth taking advice from? And so, um, man, I'm thinking now that I'm going to do a part two on this for next Monday since we got so deep into this stuff. Uh, and then talk about discerning who the right person is for you. And maybe I'll even do part of it with Emily. Um, so maybe we'll do it that way instead. I thought I was going to talk about the first part for like 20 minutes. So I apologize for going over. I know I got you excited. Now I got to change the whole title that I had in mind. And I referenced the title already in here. Now I'm just a mess. So I've lost myself. I hope that you're happy, everyone. Um, just kidding. I have nobody to blame but me. But this is this is important stuff, guys. So I'm glad we got into that that part of understanding that just because somebody wants what's best for you, they don't know what's best for you. And so it can be so difficult. I just want to empathize with you guys who are out there. You might have parents who are hounding you to go further in your career than you want to, who are hounding you to uh, yeah make certain financial decisions or choices or sacrifice, right? I saw this a lot coming out of the Army um, that... Uh, there's so many parents who are, are even kids, right? Like I remember talking to people like other cadets in the military and they were like, yeah, I could never go active duty because I can't leave my family. And I'm like, you don't have a responsibility to your family like that when you're 22 years old. Like if, and, and this is, this is where it really gets dangerous. Now that I'm thinking about this example is what gets really dangerous is uh, this was we were at a catholic school and most of us were catholic and this was a practicing catholic that i remember having this one conversation with and i'm like my mom is divorced and only has me as a child and so a lot of people thought i was reckless when i went to choose infantry or when i went active duty because they're like how can you leave her and i'm like i ultimately have to do what god is calling me to do and that discernment and that understanding of that came from my discernment of the priesthood where I finally got to this point where I'm like, Lord, I will go wherever you send me and I will do whatever you ask me to do. Because that is what we're called to do as Catholics. And I think far too many people act like that or pretend like they're in that spot when they're not. And they say, yeah, yeah, I'm Catholic. Like, I'll do whatever. Like, I love you, Lord. And they cry at retreats and they're doing all these things. And then they come back home and they're like, I can't leave my mom. And it's like, what does, what? What? <laughs> do, you, do you ever read scripture? Both the Old Testament and the New Testament are filled with stories of God sending people away from their families, of God sending people to new lands after they had been established, right? Like you think of Abraham, you think of Moses, you think of um, Jacob had to go away for a while. You can think of uh, Joseph, right, in the multicolored coat. I mean, my boy had to go into slavery to be risen up, right? Like, I mean, he went through it. Prison, slavery, all this kind of stuff. 
it, I mean, it was wild. I love the story of Joseph in the Old Testament, by the way. I'm talking Jacob's son, Joseph. And then you think of the New Testament, all Jesus did was call people away from their, their families. He was notorious for that. <laughs> That's all my man did. He was just like, yo, follow me. Leave that behind. Let the dead bury the, themselves and sell what you have and come follow me. He's like, leave everything you've built and worked for and come on with your boy. And he's like, you know, you got to get out of there. So I think that's I think that's where you got to think about that is we get a lot of people who will give you advice and they'll give you things and they'll like kind of emotionally pull you. And if you're not rooted in your prayer life, if you're not really committed to I'll do whatever you want me to do, Lord. I was just thinking about this because we had this kind of Emily and I were talking about something I saw on social media the other day. And it was a woman who um, my guess, I don't really know her personally, but my guess is she's like 30s, early 30s. And she, she like gives a lot of advice to other women and sometimes like in a professional setting, uh, you know, like coaching them on being the best woman that God created them to be. And I just remember she, she was posting something about being uh, full-time working, like asking for advice for full-time working and being in grad school. And again, I don't know this person's situation, but this is, this is one of those things where it's like, or if, if you are discerning that, if you've discerned that like you're called to marriage, like being 30 as a woman and full-time working and going to grad school, you're literally cutting yourself off from the possibility of dating. Maybe not completely, but pre- I mean, that's, but that's pretty harsh, right? And that's the same thing I think you have to think of at, at any stage when you're making career decisions. But you might have people who love you, who are like loving your success and kind of riding off that as your parents or as your friends. And they're like, yeah, go for it. Go for it. Fulfill your dreams. Like do all this stuff. And it's like, but you might have competing dreams. What if as a woman at your 30, you're like, I want to have a, a husband and kids. And so maybe I hold off on grad school for now. I'm not even saying that like women can't work, or you can't do all this, but you know, if you have a full-time job and you're in grad school, full-time or part-time, you have very little time to spare. And I'm telling you as a man that if you roll up on a woman and it's like, oh yeah, um, so you want to date me, uh, but you're full-time in grad school and you're full-time working, so, like, we'll never see each other or else my only time getting to know you. And it's like, well, a man should support your dreams. It's like, dog, I dig that. I feel you. Most of us aren't going to be that into it where it's like, yeah, we can just, like, never spend time together. And I'll just support your dreams for the next three years. <laughs> what? <laughs> There's no way. How do you look at that situation? And you're like, as a man, like, oh, this seems like a good fit for me. That's ridiculous. And so I think that you have people, and I'm sure she has people in her life who are coaching her and encouraging her along to do this stuff. And it's like, you just got to be careful. And you have to discern that because certain things like that for, for like, like having kids for a woman, like there's, there's timelines on this stuff, right? And so that's where you have to be careful. When you're spending all your money, you have people who are like, adventure, live it up, travel and all this stuff. Well, when we're 60 and you didn't invest at all in your 20s because you just blew all your money, that shit's going to be rough because when you lose those 10 years on the first 10 years of like investing your money, that's a big deal. That really hurts. And that's where I feel like people are just like, you take this advice from these people who are emotional and have these regrets like, oh, I didn't do this right. And they're like, they could be searching for God in their lives. A lot of people are searching for God in their lives. They have this big hole and they look back with career things that were missed or adventure things that were missed, like stupid shit, right? Like stuff that ultimately doesn't matter at all. And you look back and it's like they're emotionally trying to fill 
their regrets for their career or adventure or fun stuff, uh, a life unlived, it's a God-sized hole, and they think that that's what would fill it. But what they really need is the Lord. And so I think it's it's just so important. I forget where I saw this recently. I know Lamar Jackson actually had a tweet that was somewhat similar to this recently, but somebody said it a little bit more profound than he did in, on Twitter, which is totally fine. But just talking about how like at the end of your life, none of the stuff you do in your career is going to matter a damn. Like, yes, it's part of your excellence. Yes, you can build holiness through your work. But like, our vocation is everything. And we should be constantly building up, whether that be in uh, like practical ways of like trying to set yourself up for the vocation or just like spiritually and character wise and virtue, building yourself up for your vocation. Like we've really lost. And I say this as somebody who has had lost this for a long time myself. We've really lost as a society and even as a church uh, the idea and the reality and the truth that your vocation is your primary vehicle to heaven. And so even if you're 30 and single, I want to encourage you to understand that you should still be preparing for that vocation, whether that be religious life or marriage. There's nothing better you could spend your time doing, right? Not grad school, not, uh, and it doesn't mean you shouldn't go to grad school. I'm not totally against grad school if you're, you know, whatever, a man or a woman that's over the age of 30. I'm not, that's not my point. But my point is you should be discerning and thinking about how can I set myself up best uh, to receive whatever the Lord might have in store for me. Because I think that that's, you know, I, I think it's uh, Dan Orlovsky, or no, it's it's RG3, who I really don't like, Robert Griffin III as a TV announcer. I think he's kind of crass and makes stupid, inappropriate jokes that are like a seventh grade boy. Um, but he's got a great Twitter bio <laughs> and I've been on it a lot this week cause he was beefing with LaShawn McCoy who went to my high school, Bishop McDevitt, go Crusaders. Um, but his Twitter bio says something like, uh, well, let me, let me look it up cause I don't want to butcher it. I've already dogged him enough. I don't need to butcher his, uh, his, uh, Twitter bio right now, but I think this is something it's, it's a, it's a classic, like cliche, um, it's like a cliche, uh, like Protestant kind of non-denom saying. Um, oh, it's not his Twitter bio, but it's his. Uh, it's a pin tweet that he has at the top, and he says, "Don't ask God to guide your steps if you aren't willing to move your feet." And that's where I feel like a lot of this comes down to. And we could say there, there's people out there, and I know this, and that's why this is so difficult to talk about. And nobody ever wants to address this topic of of singlehood and dating and all this kind of stuff. Because there's people out there who are super holy, who are super virtuous, who are trying. And I do think we have this crisis, especially women, because we have this crisis and shortage of good, virtuous men. Um, and that's real and that exists. But there's also people out there who, on the other side of that, as I said before, both men and women who are single because of them. And that could be because you're working too much. It could be because you're actually shut off to it and you just turn down a lot of people who would actually make good spouses for you and who God might be actually leading to you in, in your life. There's a number of reasons, but we have to be willing to actually open ourselves up to what the reality might be. And maybe you are putting your career first and God doesn't feel like you're in a place to actually have a spouse and, and put your vocation first. 
that was me for a long time. And that was when, and I'll get into some of this eventually, of how I ruined some good relationships. Because I was so career first and was just like, I got to make money. And, and I think a lot of that came from watching my parents argue about money and stuff when I was a kid. So, you know, to the point of just wild arguments and fights over spending and not having enough money. And it was stressful. And I didn't want that. And so some of it can come from wounds and from good spots. But I still had to recognize like, oh, damn. And luckily, it was Emily that really called me out on this. And it's like, I really, I really have my priorities out of whack. And so I need to figure this out. And so I want you to be thinking about that, too of how can you um, best really take the time to uh, analyze and evaluate your life. And even if you're past that point, right, even if you're in the vocation, how am I now living out my life from my wounds, from my biases, from my, um, you know, bad expectations? Like, how can I actually start to be a holier man and woman and recognize whether I'm in my vocation, preparing for it, whatever, how can I start to really accept and embrace the truth that my vocation is my ultimate ticket to heaven? And if it's my ultimate ticket to heaven, I need to treat it like the most important thing in my life. Other than obviously my relationship with God, which, which flows into my vocation, right? So if that's the most important thing, and eternity is the most important thing, and God's the most important thing, does my life currently reflect that or not? And if it doesn't, what can I do this week? to change that? Who can I reach out to to hold me accountable in making that change? And what ways might God be calling me to reorganize my life and reprioritize different things in my life so that I can be ready for the blessings that he wants to give me? Well, this was a fun one. This is a fun episode with no notes and no outline, um, but some Instagram DMs and thoughts that I've been thinking about over the last several days. And so, I want to thank you all for, for joining, for tuning in today. Um, the best place, obviously, to discern all this stuff is in prayer. And as you all know, as I've shared before, we have a three-month free trial code for Seeking Excellence uh, for the Hallow Catholic Prayer app. And so since I talked about um, Alessandro, he shared on this, and he's one of the Hallow co-founders, one of my best friends from high school. He, and will someday be on the podcast, he's on our board, he will... Uh, or I have I have this three month free trial code for you to try out um, Hallow, and so you can do their singlehood novenas, dating novenas, fifty four day rosary novenas, um, fifty four day rosary novenas, praying for your spouse is like I've heard some crazy success stories in that. It was wild. There was like this six month period where I just met like multiple couples that had come from that. I've never done one, but Emily did one, and we started texting on the last day of that, which also ended on Saint Joseph the Worker feast day of May first, um, which is pretty cool, and so. Those are good on there. There's uh, lots of great stuff in there, different discernment things. Um, and so I encourage you to check that out. You can check the link. I'll have it in the show notes. You can check my link in the, my bio on Instagram. And yeah, if you listen to this podcast, if you enjoy it, please go just take five seconds and go leave us a review at um, either Spotify or Apple Podcasts. It does uh, a great benefit to have that. You know, I get a lot of hate. And so um, I think I'm down to like 4.5 stars on Apple Podcasts. So if you can go on and give us a five-star review, would be unfathomably helpful huge blessing i hope you have a fantastic week whatever you've been sitting on whatever you've been thinking about doing whether that's going to the gym starting your diet going back to mass going to confession going to daily mass praying the rosary i hope you make time to get it done this week be the person who does the things that you commit to i've been slacking in some of those things this is our you know 
Our Lady of the Rosary. It's October. We need to be praying the rosary every day this month. I've been super, super slacking. Um, and so I want to encourage you. I want to encourage myself that today could be the day that you change that. Pray with your family. Pray by yourself. Pray with your friends. Um, schedule a time to get it done. Make it happen. And know that I always believe in you and I'm praying for you. All right. Be your best. God bless.